The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we can learn to use them in new and powerful ways to create the life we've always dreamed of. On our program today, with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon, we'll address who you are, how to come to know what you believe and why, how to accept and love yourself, and how you can make changes that help you create the empowered, happy, successful life you want. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from Scottsdale, Arizona, and I am so, so delighted to have you with us today. You definitely want to go to the self-improvement blog today and see and read about today's guest. Be sure to see the videos in the right sidebar. And while you're on the blog, sign up for our newsletter. I won't inundate you with mailings, but you will get a weekly announcement of the radio show. So be sure to sign up while you're there. Some years ago, about 10 years ago, I had a wonderful man in my life. He was amazingly strong, could chin himself on the doorframe with just his fingertips hanging on. He had one of those radio announcer voices which he used to help others through teaching. Um, But things began to change with him health-wise, and we learned, sadly, that he had ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, which is usually a death sentence. There's no treatment. There's no cure. He was a very spiritual man. One of his claims was that 1212, the hour 1212, the number 1212, is spiritually significant. He believed it signified that something was finished, completed, you know, done. He died at 1212 p.m. on my birthday. Talk about being in control. A few weeks after his death, a psychic medium friend of mine called to tell me she wanted to gift me with a free reading. She told me before we started the reading that we had to chat afterwards because Stephen was too impatient to wait any longer. He wanted to talk now. She proceeded to tell me things that no one else but Stephen and I shared. I mean, nobody uh, I, I was blown away and, and tremendously comforted. He, he still sends me messages. Our guest today will smile when I say that Todd Hogan gave me a couple of terse messages from Stephen not very long ago, and I totally enjoyed these messages. They were definitely from Stephen. The reason I share this with you today is because we're going to talk about messages from the afterlife. It's not only a topic for the show, but it's the title of Mark Ireland's new book. Mark Ireland is the son of Richard Ireland, a renowned 20th century psychic who lived in Arizona and was frequently on TV right here in Phoenix. Some of us remember watching him. I definitely do. 
Mark's first book, Soul Shift, Finding Where the Dead Go, is a moving account of his personal quest for answers about life after death, subsequent to the passing of his youngest son. His latest book is Messages from the Afterlife, a bereaved father's journey in the world of spirit visitations, psychic mediums, and synchronicity. Mark has participated in mediumship research studies at the University of Arizona and the University of Virginia and has participated in a number of independent investigations. He holds a bachelor's degree from Arizona State University and lives in Scottsdale with his wife, Susie. Mark is basically your regular businessman with some interesting friends and some interesting gifts and abilities. Mark, you've been here before. It is such an honor to welcome you back to the Self-Improvement Show. Welcome. Thanks for having me back, Irene. It's my pleasure. Uh, You know, I can't think of a topic that has more interest, more skepticism, more everything than what happens to us when we die, what happens to our loved ones when they die. But let's start out with our usual question. Tell us about yourself. Who is Mark Ireland? Well, on a deeper level, (laughs) you know, some of the things you mentioned, um, I grew up with this father that had unusual abilities, and so all this was kind of second nature to me. Oh, he Um, didn't just have unusual abilities. He was really, frankly, amazing. (laughs) He was, and I thought that's what it meant to be psychic, and no one ever measured up to that. So I was like, well, I thought these other people are psychic, but... As a kid, you, you, you don't understand the, no. the range of abilities people might have. So growing up with that, it just, um, you know, it solidified in my mind the reality of not only psychic phenomena, but life after death, because there were so many things I saw happen and come through my dad that I had no doubts. Um, but I was a pragmatist, too. So as I, you know, grew up and went to co- went to college, got a degree, got married young, and went into the business world, and kind of just got absorbed into a traditional lifestyle, and kind of put this on the back burner. And um, it was not really a focus for me this whole field um, until my youngest son passed in January of 2004, and that kind of kick started my rekindled my interest in the field. And, um, you know, for my own purposes, for my own family's healing, but subsequently to share my findings with other people and, frankly, to preserve my father's legacy and to to help folks in an area where, like you said, there are a lot of skeptics who are closed off. They don't want to look at the evidence. They just want to shut it all down. And so given that, um, there's a role for someone like me to bring this information to the table for people because I think it's really important. seen a lot of people who have healed from it. In fact, this is ironic, but I had a, uh, uh, a gentleman in Scotland who I kind of know as an Internet friend, if you will, but he sent me a note just the other day. And this really kind of sums up why I do this. Now, my main driver, there's a few, but she, he said, my wife's friend lost her son was having a very hard time. He went on in the same sentence to say, but she read a book by this guy that lost his son. Those were his words. And it turned her whole life around. She started to live again. Um, she wasn't coming out of the house. She wasn't eating. So he, who wrote the book, I said. And the man responded, Mark Ireland, you should read it. I could not believe it. 
You should read it, Mark. It's a very good book. <laughs> this is somebody in Scotland. So Yes. That, that and if you haven't heart. read Mark's book, I really suggest you get his first book, Soul Shift. You can get it on Amazon.com. Um, it, it's on the self-improvement blog. You can go there to find it. But it's, it's outstanding. What? There are links to both books on my site if they just want to go there. It's Mark Tell Ireland us how author. they find you. Yeah, MarkIrelandAuthor.com. MarkIrelandAuthor.com. So you wrote the first book, Soul Shift. We had you on then. If anybody wants to look, they can go into the archives and, and listen to that show as well. Uh, it's on the, on the self-improvement blog, or you can go to Voice America to find it. So what led you to, re- to write this second book, Messages from the Afterlife? What, what was your inspiration on that? Well, a couple of things. You know, I think Soul Shift ended with me kind of just having a beginning. So it was kind of like opening me up to go into this at a deeper level. And so I had um, really kind of two tracks with the new book. One was the continuation of my dialogue, of my own personal mind opening and development and things and experiences. But the other part of that was, I guess you could call, had people call it a scholarly book. Um, I think people who are maybe more intellectual will like the second book better. And people who aren't as much into the intellectual stuff might like the first one better. But I felt there were some, there were certain topics that needed to be explored. One being, for example, the topic of skepticism, because there's healthy skepticism, which is to say, hey, I don't understand this, show me, give me the evidence, and then make up your mind. And there's a different type of skepticism that I address in the book uh, in one chapter, dealing with debunkers, which basically is somebody who really, they're not true skeptics, because skeptics are open-minded inquirers. They're, they're inquiring about something in an open-minded way. They want the evidence. But there's this debunker type that's out there, and you see them quite often. Um, but they've already made up their mind that nothing is, is feasible or possible unless it's material or, uh, materially measurable. Um, so they're just, you know, their arguments are all aimed at just shutting it down, and sometimes they're irrational, and people just assume that they, that they know what they're talking about, and that's not always the case. So I've got a chapter to talk about that. My main goal is not to battle the skeptics, because you're, you're probably not going to change someone's mindset that's been like that for a long time. People are attached to their worldview and uh, very reluctant to let go of it. But I thought at least if I shared their approaches with folks, other people that are open-minded won't be swayed by them, and they'll make up their own minds. And then there's a chapter um, where I get into the topic of religion uh, and the history of these sorts of phenomena, because I think there's a lot of people in this country especially that have hang-ups due to maybe if they were raised in a more traditional religious background to think this stuff is bad or you shouldn't delve into it and things like that. Well, I grew up in that kind of background, and we were basically taught that, number one, it isn't real. Number two, it's of the devil. You know, they kind of forget that in the Bible that they teach, <laughs> there's all kinds of spirit communication. Which yeah. always kind of, you know, I used to think, I don't get this. I, you know, tell me, I, would, I don't understand this. Why is it this way? Um, it's cognitive dissonance, you know, in a way. It's, uh, you've got 
people aren't connecting the dots, and they're just out there so obvious that all these phenomena are in the Bible, too, and other scriptures as well um, that talk about, you know, what I guess are described as miracle stories, which are actually best explained by psychic phenomena, spirit communication, and some other types of uh, phenomena. So um, I kind of go into that, and I, I argue it to some degree on the terms of the fundamentalist to say, hey, we're talking about instances here in the New Testament of mediumship, for example, the transfiguration story where Jesus is speaking to Moses and Elijah, who are two dead people. Yeah, uh, they're know, very dead at that point. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, and they're being observed by you know his disciples. So this happens, and you know, some folks will say, well, but that's different. That was Jesus, but yet in the Gospel of John, it says it reports Jesus saying, the, the works I do, ye shall do, and greater works than these. So there's a lot of different examples, but I think really the bottom line there is that these views are on a traditional, evolved over time, and has been unquestioned. So when you were taught that that was the work of the devil, or that was bad, or whatever, to stay away from it, you probably weren't told why that was. Maybe they give you one passage that was negative. And a lot of those passages are actually in Old Testament, within the Torah books, that are really kind of the, the leaders of that day setting their laws down to try and control folks. <laughs> um, yeah, one and, of the and, things we're taught, too, is that you listen to the minister. The minister knows. So yeah. you should pay attention to that. He's the authority. You are not. So they kind of have you. you know. Yeah, well, that's part of the deal, too, with, yes. with, with organized yes. religion. I'm not putting it down because it, it can be very helpful to folks, too. But. It can be very powerful and very comforting. On right. that note, I want to go to break because when we come back, I want to talk just a little bit about why you put a chapter on quantum physics in the book. Will that be okay with you if we talk just a touch about quantum physics? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Mark Ireland, saying stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in to the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Vasily. Radio to thrive by. When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here, Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, voiceamericaempowerment.com. 
You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Mark Ireland, who has written a book on messages from the afterlife. Mark, you have a chapter on quantum physics. Why does quantum, what does quantum physics have to do with communicating with those who've passed? I think it's a very interesting chapter. You know, give us the skinny on this. Yeah, the chapter is actually called Seeing Things Differently, and I do touch on quantum physics. The whole chapter is not just about quantum physics, but it's to talk about all the things that shape our view of reality and maybe how they're not exactly the way they think they are. And I think the reason I put the quantum physics piece in there, and a lot of people will throw this around and say they have all the answers and could tie it to quantum physics. I don't make that argument. I'm just saying... It really opened my mind up when I learned some of these principles of quantum physics because prior to that, I just thought of the world like, well, I can see all these physical objects and things. Where is the spiritual realm? I, I knew that it existed somehow just only because of my dad. Thank God I had a dad that I did. But otherwise, I might have been one of these super skeptics, you know, uh, because I'm so uh, left-brained at times. But... Here are some of the things within quantum physics that really made me think. Um, one thing I think most people know, going back to their science classes in school, whether it be high school or college, that all the material world is made up of molecules, which are made up of atoms, and atoms are made up of subatomic particles. The first thing that caught my attention is that an atom is actually 99.99999% empty space. That is, yeah. the particles that constitute an atom are a lot more of nothing than they are something. So that really puzzled me. It's like, wow, you've got all the things we see and touch and feel are really more nothing than something. Um, so that kind of uh, caught, caught my attention. Um, Another couple of principles about that. With that, though, just in mind, I could see how you could have... Um, perhaps alternate realities that would be existing within the same space even because if if a atoms that diffused i mean something you'd think of uh, wouldn't even come in contact with it and exist in the same kind of space that was just one thought i had i'm not saying that's the way it is um also you know um some of the particles within atoms electrons they appear and disappear and then reappear in different positions. So where do they go when they're not here in the physical world is a question that popped into my mind. If they're not here, they're still existing. Where are they existing? It's not here. And you know what? That's the question we ask about our loved ones when they pass. Where are they now? They're not here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so it's here's a basic question. particle, a constituent of an atom that's not here, but it's still, we know it still exists. It comes back into reality. So it's somewhere else, or at least it's not within the physical realm for periods of time. Uh, another pr- principle that I think this one's a big one, it's called the observer principle. And this was discovered through a series of tests that's been proven again and again and again to be accurate and true. But it, it basically what it says is that... Um, 
electrons, which are, again, atomic components, will not assume fixed positions until observed by an observer. That implies, you know, in other words, it's not saying that your house doesn't exist until you look at it, but it kind of says that in a way. Um, physical objects assume um, their manifestation uh, because electrons assume fixed positions once something's observed. And again, this has been tested again and again. That implies mind or your consciousness affects material reality. Uh, that made me start thinking, well, you know, maybe mind is primary and all the physical stuff is just a byproduct or caused by mind. And then the last piece that really stretched my thinking about just the universe and some things that we think of in terms of space and time and all these sorts of limits that we think of, um, it, most people probably know that um, according to Einstein's theory of special relativity, nothing can travel faster than the speed of light. And the speed of light is 186,000 miles per second. So even at that great speed, the universe is so immense, it would take you know, tens of, uh, I think, probably 15 billion years or 20 billion years to traverse from one end to the other um, at the speed of light. Even, you know, even within our Milky Way galaxy, it would be, you know, hundreds of thousands of years from edge to edge. But there's a feature within quantum uh, physics or quantum theory that has been um, validated through testing again and again, and it's called entanglement. And what entanglement says is that two particles that have ever come into contact in a special way can be separated as far apart as the opposite ends of the universe. Whatever happens to one instantly is reflected in the other. So how could that be, you know, if, if we're talking about everything is connected in a physical way? To, to me, that implied there's some underlying matrix or interconnection to everything in the universe. Otherwise, how could that be? And that connection's not in the material level or realm. It's like a level below. There's like, maybe we're like a slice of a sandwich here, you know? But there's yeah, a bigger good sandwich. analogy. So those are some of the key things about quantum physics that kind of opened my mind, and I felt they're worth sharing because someone is logically minded and they can't really conceive of how could there be other realms or uh, where would these people that die be, where, where are they at? Those kinds of things, when you start looking at that, it at least cracks open your mind to think, hmm, okay, I, I could kind of see this now. You know, one thing we do know is that we don't know a lot and we're just beginning to understand some things, and, and some things are beginning to come into focus for us. And I, I thought your treatment of quantum physics and spirit communication was absolutely brilliant. Uh, Thank you. You state in your book, I suggest that spirit communication is a sacred gift that has long been misunderstood. The field has been disparaged by pseudo-skeptics and damaged by fraudulent mediums. I want to talk about these. It's time for the matter to be viewed in a new and positive way. There's been a good bit of research done. Uh, tell us, just kind of give us a synopsis of the research and why more research isn't being done. Right. Um, well, a lot of the research goes back to the late 1800s, early 1900s, um, to the early days of the SPR, which is the Society of Psychical Research, which was founded in London in 1882. 
and um, William James, who was a famous uh, psychologist in the U.S., started the ASPR, the American Society for Psychical Research, and he worked in conjunction with the SPR in London as well. And they, they did a lot of testing in different ways on mediums, both trans mediums, physical mediums, and by physical, I'm talking about mediums that are purported to be able to enable spiritual materializations or people would actually see a discarnate and be able to communicate with them directly, which is a very rare thing. Um, but they ran a, a series of very stringent tests on people and had very compelling results way back then. I think, you know, uh, researchers would say that the most compelling evidence for the afterlife uh, going back to those early days is uh, are what's called the cross-correspondence experiments. And that involved fragments of messages that came to various mediums that were located in different places around the world. And individually, those messages seemed like they were nonsensical. They, they couldn't make any sense of them. But when pulled together, they formed a mosaic, and there was a message conveyed that was very intelligible. So um, that is an early example. And the people can read a lot about this. The SPR has a website. Or if they want to go into my book, I get into some of these things in greater detail. Um, then in the <clears throat> mid-20th century, you had J.B. Ryan uh, with the Duke University Parapsychology Laboratory. And his was more focused on telepathy experiments. Now, initially, I think he wanted to explore consciousness survival or the, you know, proving the afterlife. But it was very difficult to get folks to buy into that, you know, at a university level. And also, he knew that it would always be subject to debate. It's something that's very, very difficult to prove, you know. Um, you can definitely have a lot of evidence, but to prove it to the satisfaction of, of a skeptical academia <laughs> is another yeah. matter. So he studied telepathy primarily. Um, and the odd thing is he only really used students um, instead of go seeking out people with the ability. You'd think that if you really wanted to see what the results could be, you'd find the best people. But he, he felt like, well, everyone should be able to do this. Therefore, you know, I'm just going to use these students. Um, fortunately for him, at least some of the students had um, some better than average talent in this area. Um, I think the, the biggest success he had was a, a, a pair of people called, the, it was the Pierce-Pratt experiments. One was, a, I believe, an instructor at Duke, and the other was a student. And they would use Zener cards, which are a deck of 25 cards comprised of five different symbols. And what you do is you'll have uh, someone, if you're using it for telepathy experience, you have one person look at the card, try and telepathically convey what the symbol is, and there's a one in five chance. So out of a deck of 25 cards, a chance result would be to get five correct. So these two gentlemen would go in actually separate buildings. Uh, so one would sit in one building, and they knew the timing, like when they're supposed to project the, uh, the thought, and the other one's supposed to receive it. And so... Um, Overall, there were, you know, their results were millions to one against chance, um, and their longest streak, you know, they actually had 26 consecutive hits at one point. So, I mean, 26 consecutive correct cards called out. So there was some good work done there. Ironically, I came upon a newspaper article in the last few years where they um, had interviewed Helmut Schmidt, who was an assistant to J.B. Ryan in the lab. This article was from 1972. And in the article, Schmidt uh, expressed some frustration at the fact that 
Ryan didn't bring in professional psychics because he felt their results would have been even better. And he says, for example, <laughs> well, and he says, for example, um, I recently saw this uh, psychic named Richard Ireland, and while he was preparing his, because he did blindfold billet, which some people do in a way that's not above board, but my father did, obviously. He uh, taped his eyes shut with 10 strips of Johnson Johnson medical tape, three black blindfolds, and more tape. And then he'd ask people to write questions, send them up, and answer them. So what Schmidt did, he, um, well, my dad was already blindfolded. He walked around three different tables, and he asked each table to give him a number, and he wrote it in red ink. So the first table gave him three, the next table gave him an eight, and the next table gave him a five. So he wrote those three numbers, folded the paper, put it in an envelope, and then on the outside of the envelope said, tell me what's inside. So he sends it up to my father, and um, my father does not open the envelope, and he says, you want to know what's inside? It's the number 385 in red ink. And so Schmidt said, you know, this is phenomenal. This is an example of what maybe the results could have been. Uh, had they approached it a little differently. After Duke, uh, I think Duke closed the program down maybe in 72 or some, some it was early 70s. Uh, since then, there have been some more studies on, you know, uh, validating survival of consciousness after death. University of Arizona did some work uh, back in the early 2000s. It might go back to the late 90s. Um, and then uh, funding for that kind of went away. But one of the researchers there, Dr. Julie Beichel, continued on with her own efforts uh, with a private organization called the Winbridge Institute. And I would encourage people to donate to them if you're interested in this sort of thing because they're, they're on a shoestring budget and they really get very little funding from any, anybody. And uh, it's the stigma, you know, uh, that, that goes along with this. Um, and it's interesting that there's a stigma associated with something that is of such interest to all kinds of people. On that note, we need to go to break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Mark Ireland, saying stay tuned. We're going to be back with some really interesting stuff. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are 13 unbreakable habits of truly enlightened people. These life-changing habits are discussed on Dream the Life, Live the Dream with Dr. Yomi Garnett. We'll offer an excursion in self-discovery along with wisdom that will allow you to stay on the correct path toward your destiny. You can find excellence in your life. Tune in every Thursday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time. That's 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for this exciting transformational journey. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Mark Ireland. We've been talking about research on afterlife communication. Um, Mark, finish up your thought on research and tell us why more of it isn't being done. Okay. Um, well, in addition to the, one, the organization that I'd mentioned, Winbridge Institute, you also have um, the University of Virginia Division of Perceptual Studies. They've done a lot of good work. Um, their, their origins go back to Dr. Ian Stevenson, who was a preeminent researcher into evidence for reincarnation. And he surveyed a lot of it, mainly indigenous children in remote villages. And, for example, he, he would find out that there's a story of a little, little boy, maybe four or five years old, who claims to have had a different life with another tribe. Um, and he'd get all the specific information about what the guy's name was and who his relatives were. And then he would drive hundreds of miles to this other tribe and ask questions and, lo and behold, find out, wow, there really was a guy by this name and he had these relatives and all this stuff make, you know, adds up. So that, you know, those were the origins really of uh, that department. But it's expanded now into near-death experience study and mediumship study, too. I participated as a sitter in an experiment with a Dr. Emily Williams Kelly, who works there. And they've done some very good work. And she um, was trying to get a paper published. I don't know if it's been published yet or not. That's another challenge because this is, you know, kind of on the fringe for mainstream science. They're reluctant to publish um, studies like this in their journals, which is very frustrating for the scientists who do the work. And then you've uh, you've got the Society of Psycho Research in Scotland, the SSPR, Scottish Society, Scottish Society for Psychical Research, and um, there's a woman there named Tricia Robertson who's a friend of mine, and she's done some phenomenal work with the recently deceased uh, Dr. Archie Roy, um, and they. There are actually videos of their work um, that will give you a nice synopsis of the studies they did, but they produced results that were millions to one against chance um, of mediums providing accurate, specific information uh, without any cues or any ability to um, have the information in a sensory way. So um, I, I could tell you later where to find the video, but I don't want to drag this thing on. So, uh, And why is there no funding? You know, it comes back to the fact that, unfortunately, the materialistic paradigm prevails in academia, and um, it's a tough one to break. You know, that's the culture that developed after the split between science and religion back a few right. hundred years ago. And it just, it's, it's uh, slow to change. But there are some more progressive scientists out there who are bucking the trend. And I think, you know, public pressure will have a lot to do with it. We're the ones that fund all this stuff, you know, especially state universities and, and so forth and federal research grants. And they're researching goofy stuff that we don't really care about. This is really the most important question of all. And yeah, so, what happens to us when we die? Yeah, we yeah. have to, I think we big, have to big demand question. To have to say and where no. our money goes. 
Yeah, you know, well, here's a question a lot of people want an answer for. You know, you talk about top-tier psychic mediums. You know, how does a person know whether a medium is real or fraudulent? And how do they find a top-tier psychic medium? Yeah, I think, you know, people see somebody on the TV or they know the big names and they think, oh, I want a reading from them, assuming they're the best. And some of them are very good, but they're also hard to get a reading with, very expensive. And some of them, it's maybe more name and promotion than than ability. So um, I tell you what not to do. I wouldn't just go to anybody without a recommendation from someone you know and trust. You don't want to just drive by and see a sign that says psychic reader and pull in the in the lot or you're going to have a you could have a bad experience like a friend of ours that I wrote about in the book. Um, what I'm actually doing right now, and I just announced this in my newsletter about a week ago, is I've decided to tackle this problem. And so what I'm doing is I am going to put a program together to certify mediums and they're going to have <sighs> to go through a session of five tests of blind readings with people they don't know, and they're going to have to generate favorable response rates. And so um, all the protocols are being developed right now. Um, I've got an overwhelming response to this from both people that want to be test sitters and also mediums. And when this is put together, I will have a website launched, and people can go there and know that everyone on that site's been tested. I can't guarantee that they'll get a great reading, but I'll certainly, you'll certainly have a much better chance with that. But in the meantime, Absolutely. One place I know that's safe to go is the psychic library that Donnie Tash has, um, you know, and and Todd Hogan works with him, and they're right. they're both extremely good. Um, but I, the difference here is that I'm looking to have a, a large list of people exactly around, around the world, and they're all have, they will all have been tested, and people, you know. No matter where you are, hopefully you can find somebody there. It's going to take a while to build it out, but that's kind of what I'm doing. The other thing I think do, that's wonderful. And you, you know, in the meantime, if people were to write me, I'd give them. You know, I'd be happy to give them a list of people I recommend. And uh, you know, if you know people that that are level-headed that have gone to somebody and they were happy, you know, that's not a bad way to go either. In the meantime, absolutely. You talk about a cold reading. I hadn't heard about a cold reading before. This was new to me. What's a cold reading? Well, cold reading is a method that skeptics will say that mediums use. And and if, you know, it is true that a fraudulent medium could use cold reading. And essentially, um, this is a way where... um,
They will uh, provide very detailed, specific information. There's no way you could get through a cold reading process. Well, yeah, some of them come out with, with the person's whole name, and they've never heard it before, right. which always amazes me. I, I love it when that happens. But now, like you with, say with the in the book, to ensure the best chance of contact with a deceased loved one during a mediumship reading, I encourage you to send out thought invitations. Talk about thought invitations. How do we send that out? Well, how do you pray? How do you mm, meditate? Yeah. How do you imagine? Um, it's the same thing, you know. And um, it may seem odd to folks, but think about it. You know, assuming there's a life after this one, which I know there to be, those folks have probably just as busy a life as we do. Maybe time doesn't work the same way, but it's not like they're just sitting there floating on a cloud somewhere. Um, there, there's an active reality of things going on. And so it's like if somebody were wanting to just call you at the last minute and talk and you already had something else going on, um, you might not appreciate that. So if someone were to set an appointment with you or ask you to be at a certain place at a certain time, there's a much better chance you'd have that conversation. So um, the idea is simply that you ask your loved ones to be there You've got an appointment, and you'd love to hear from them. And yeah, It's um, like saying to a friend, can you call me at 3 o'clock? <laughs> yeah, and, and most, you know, most of the people that research this, that, um, that their theory for how it works, not in every case, but most, is that you know, they know telepathy exists because of the Duke studies and because people have seen it, but the idea of mediumship is really telepathy with the deceased. So you're basically sending a telepathic method message to your loved one saying, hey, I've got an appointment at this time. I'd love to hear from you. Right. And, and we're, our consciousness is communicating with their consciousness, as I understand it. And sometimes it's a two-way street, but we don't always realize it because, you know, ideas pop in our head and we just figure it's our imagination. But I found that it's not always our imagination. And sometimes those things that pop into your head actually are very meaningful and can be very surprising. And we need to pay attention. Mm-hmm. You have you, you talk about your sister who passed. It's a very interesting story. I don't want to reveal the answer to all of this, but can you give us in a thumbnail um, the story of your sister? Sure. They Back can in... read the book to get the answer. but Yeah, we'll keep, keep them hanging with suspense. Yeah. But um, back in 2006, my sister was, um, she was terminally ill with cancer, and she knew that she wasn't going to be around much longer. And it occurred to me that, you know, I I wanted to toss an idea out to her to see if she'd be open to it, because it might help other people. And that idea was to conduct an experiment. And the experiment was essentially for her to uh, leave a message that we could later try and get a medium to share. So in other words, she would... Um, leave this message behind, um, and then after she had passed, it would be her job to try and convey what the message was to a medium, and then we'd find out if it was accurate. But the difference between my experiment and prior ones, like I think the most famous of these is uh, Harry Houdini's, which was he left his wife a message, and it was, I think it was Rosa, Rosabel Believe. And he said, if anyone speaks these words, know that it is, you know, Harry Houdini. And it was a couple years later that a medium, Arthur Ford, actually gave her those words. And then 
then the, this big brouhaha ensued, and people claimed fraud, and for different reasons said she told them what it was so they could get the publicity. So who knows? But I thought, well, the problem with that was that a living person knew the message. So in the case of my sister, I said, uh, why don't you write it on a piece of paper, put it in a sealed envelope, and then the envelope won't be open until after, you know, you're gone and after we get the responses. And that's what we did. So uh, that was the difference in the methodology. And we did go out. Uh, I had some help with a um, neuroscientist from Kansas who used to be a professor at the University of Kansas. Um, he helped, and then uh, one of his compatriots back there helped out, as did Tricia Robertson of the SSPR. And we got responses from mediums all around the world and uh, went through this process and ended up opening the envelope, I think it's probably six or nine months later. But even before opening the envelope, it was interesting to see some of the responses we got because I started thinking, you know, my old left brain was taking over a little yeah. and trying to put things together. Uh, you know, for example, there was a Scottish medium who had said Arizona. Well, he had no way of knowing Arizona. He wasn't told anything about the location of Robin, my sister, uh, only that, you know, this person had passed and her name was Robin. Um, Another one had said a little house on the prairie, and that was a medium from the UK had said that from England. Oh, that was my sister's favorite show. And then another one had said, um, I have my teeth back. Well, my sister had lost a few teeth. So there were different things that were kind of connecting. Um, so I started drawing conclusions initially, just thinking, oh, this person got this and that. It must be this or it must be that. And uh, in the end, we were all surprised. But <clears throat> And to um, find out what that surprise was, as Paul Harvey would say, you have to read the book for the rest of the story. <laughs> for the rest of the story. On that note, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with more with Mark Ireland. So stay tuned. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Every one of us confronts challenges that rock our world to the core, making us confused and disoriented, not knowing which way is up. On The Mother Rising, host Margaret Jacobson will nourish that spark that enlivens. You will be both empowered and inspired to create the changes leading you on your path to your own true freedom. Discover your worth and what you are capable of. Tune into The Mother Rising every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Learn all about sexuality, science, and spirituality and the connection between all three. Tune in to the Tantric Lounge with one of Australia's foremost sex therapists and expert in love and intimacy, Jacqueline Hillier. Our program is all about the art and science of sex for the thinker and explorer. Get more out of your sex life than you've ever imagined. Come visit the Tantric Lounge every Thursday at 5 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's sex like you've never experienced. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-888. 
1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Mark Ireland. We're talking about uh, communication with those who have passed. Um, And, you know, I've learned a lot of things. I'm sure you have, too. Uh, Mark, in your book, you state, in the years that have lapsed since Brandon's passing, and Brandon's your son, my life has been filled with unusual events that have convinced me that synchronicity is real. What is synchronicity, and can you give us some examples? Sure. Um, it basically means meaningful coincidence. So in other words, it's not just a coincidence, it's some random thing, but, but there's some underlying meaning or purpose behind these things that tie things together. And so I think the most extreme example is actually one in my book about that involves three different women who I came into contact with and befriended at different points in time. And this is after my first book, Soul Shift, came out, not long after. I came into contact with a woman in New Mexico named Denise. Now, this gets a little complicated, so you have to pay attention. But but Denise had lost her son um, in a vehicle accident. A short time later, I made friends with a woman in Florida named Kim. Kim's son, William, had died due to a liver problem. Um, So um, at one point, Denise went to Portland, Oregon for uh, a national event that was tied to basically bereaved parents' organization. And while there, she met another woman named Kristen. And when Denise got back, she sent me an email saying she'd met this woman, Kristen, and Kristen really had no belief at all. She just thought that there was nothing after this, and that was it. And Kristen was pretty despondent. Her daughter had died in a car accident, and um, she just figured she would never see her daughter again, and there was no hope. But she just went to this meeting to see if it might help her in some way, figure out how to cope and move on. So... As a result of getting that email from Denise, I said, well, let me send her a copy of my book, and we'll see if that helps. And um, so I sent her the book, and um, I noticed that her address was uh, Gulf Breeze, Florida, which is actually, it turned out to be right next to Pensacola, where my other friend in Florida, Kim, lived. The son, you know, she's the one with the son who had the liver problem. So in my note, along with the book, I said, you might want to meet Kim, because uh, she's also lost a child, maybe you could support one another. Well, three days, four days later, I get a note back from Kristen in Florida, the one who lost her daughter, and she said, Mark, thanks for the book, I appreciate it. She says, I actually already know Kim, though, and it's not through a positive experience, but she said, you see, um, my daughter was in a car that was hit by another car occupied by Kim's older son. So here I am thinking, oh, my God, you know, these two women already know each other through a tragic situation. And this, what are the odds? There's 310 million people in the U.S. So my gut response is to say, I don't know how we came together this way, but I just, I feel it's got to be about something to do with healing. And um, a short time later, Denise in New Mexico told me that she had applied for and been granted admission for two women to go to Idaho for a retreat that was for bereaved mothers. 
and it was like a 10-day thing. So she had invited Kristen to go with her. They went there together, and at the end of this, I got an email from Denise that said, um, Kristen's a changed person. You wouldn't believe the transformation. And then I got a note like a day or two later from Kristen that said, Mark, I am no longer um, a physicist. I'm now an engineer. And I knew what that meant because in my first book, I said the difference between a physicist and an engineer is that a physicist insists on knowing how something works, and the engineer's glad to just know that it works. And it was within a matter of months that these that the two women in Florida, Kim and Kristen, actually started helping each other. One started meetings for bereaved parents and working together, and their meetings include evidence for the afterlife and discussions about those sorts of topics. And then Kim had uh, done a lot of work for organ donation, and Kristen was helping her with that. So what could have been a very tough and bitter relationship ended up being um, one cooperative and compassion. So I'd say that's one of the more extreme ones I've had. And you you, you, you ha- almost have to recognize that there's a hand at work here, you know, that, that this was orchestrated somehow. Um, just so interesting. What's next for you, Mark? What's on the horizon? You, I know you're doing the list of mediums. What else? Is, 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 there, is there another book? What happens yeah, now? Yeah, I... Um, well, of immediate, actually, this coming weekend, I'm going to be speaking at a conference in Atlanta, Georgia, called Through the Veil. Um, and anyone interested, it's, um, uh, let's see if I have this. It's actually on my website. There's a link to it under the events. So, again, my website's markirelandauthor.com. That's Mark with a K. Outstanding. And then, then July 10th through the 13th, I have a conference here in Scottsdale. Um, I believe it's going to be at the Embassy Suites Paradise Valley over by the um, PV Mall. That's July 10th through 13th. It's put on by the Academy for Spiritual and Consciousness Studies. It's their 39th annual conference. And um, I do plan on writing more books. I, you know, I just finished the other messages from the afterlife, so I've got a lot of work to do. But my thought is the next one's going to be about uh, having grown up with the father I had a very psychic father and what that was like and kind of um, the experiences that, that I saw and, and had growing up and, and then moving into adulthood. And so it'll be somewhat biographical about my dad, but also through my lens. Interesting. I, I think that's going to be a fun book. We're right up to the end of the show, so I'll, I'll ask you my question. What's the thought you want to leave with our listeners today? Um, you know, two things. One is um, I, I want to help open people's minds up to think about their life, that there, it, there's a meaning and purpose to your life, um, and it's not just a series of random events, and to live your life fully and to enjoy it. Um, and, you know, for those who are grieving the loss of a loved one, that I'm confident there's more, and if they take the time to read about this information and maybe to meditate on it themselves, they, they can sense that, and it will be healing for them as well. I did want to just put a quick plug in for an um, organization that I co-founded called Helping Parents Heal. So if there's any bereaved parents out there who need support, we now have about 20 chapters across North America, including one here in the Phoenix area. We have a website, newsletter, and it, um, there's a link to it on my homepage of my site. So instead of giving a bunch of website information, just go to my website. You'll see the Helping Parents Heal link there. And again, Fantastic. 
Next week's guest is Sanford McMurray, who asked the question, do you live on purpose? Mark, thank you so much for being with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Irene. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Mark Ireland, saying thank you for being with us today, and I invite you to come back again next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.